Welcome to episode number 131 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we have on the call Gordon Murray, Executive Director of the Woodpell Association of Canada. We're talking about the history of the Woodpell Association of Canada, WPAC. Gordon, welcome to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're happy to have you here. Well, thanks, Chris, and I'm happy to be here too. Thanks for your interest in what we're doing. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode, and we actually have a couple coming down the pipeline around things that are going on in terms of combustible dust, we say out west here in Canada, but uh, around the British Columbia area where Gordon's based out of and some groups there. So in this episode, we're talking about the history of WPAC. Next week, we're going to have Sherry Whalen on from BC4 Safety Council talking about a critical control project involved in, in uh, wood pellet mills handling combustible dust. And the episode after that, we're going to have Dr. Paul Amiot from Dalhousie on talking about a research project um, incorporating inherently safer design using bow tie analysis. And the really cool part of this is these three episodes are really linked together to these couple of projects that we've been working on between WPAC, between BC4 Safety Council, with Dalhousie University and Dust Safety Science, and also uh, funded and supported through WorkSafe British Columbia, WorkSafe BC. I've been involved in sort of the front line on some of these projects as they developed and then the, the research components as we've started working through the last year. There's some really interesting things that are going on in these projects. So kicking off then this sort of trio, I guess, of um, interviews is Gordon. And as I mentioned, Gordon is the executive director of the Wood Pell Association of Canada. In this interview, I want to talk through the history of WPAC, how Gordon got involved with the group, how the group got involved with combustible dust, their their safety committee, which is really a, a really interesting group of, well, I'm going to let Gordon des- describe it more, but it's a really interesting group around safety topics related to pellet mills, um, not just combustible dust, but it's a really well-functioning collection of companies and other other people with interest in this area. I want Gordon to spend some time talking about that. And we're going to go into then what kind of projects has WPAC ta- undertaken, what kind of resource have they created, and my my favorite question I'm hoping from Gordon is how can other associations be working with various stakeholders if he has any tips for this in, in industries handling combustible dust. So that was a bit of a longer introduction to this episode, but I felt it was necessary because we're going to be sort of talking about this topic for the next uh, the next three weeks. Gordon, I guess just to kind of jump in, then can you give a bit of your background and how you got involved with the Woodpell Association of Canada? Sure. I mean, first about the Wood Pellet Association of Canada, we've been around for around 20 years or so, and it's uh, was originally established as as a very traditional trade association focused on market and advocacy type issues, and uh, safety was never really a part of the original mandate of the association. I came in in 2008 initially as a consultant to to help with some finance so my my background is as a professional forester and an accountant uh, with a long history in the primary forest industry and i was uh, just came in for a few days a month to help with uh, organizing the association's finances and uh, raising money to operate and uh, you know for a long um, the executive director at the time he departed and I I took over 
have been executive director since 2009. And for the first five years or so, uh, all of my time was spent on advocacy issues. However, if, I think many people will remember 2012 in British Columbia, there were uh, two very large sawmill explosions uh, in Lakeland, in in uh, Burns Lake, and uh, Prince George. There was was another large uh, explosion there. <clears throat> Fatalities, lots of people injured, and we were operating in in British Columbia in dry mountain pine beetle forest. There had been a uh, an infestation for a number of years. And uh, the logs going into sawmills in central British Columbia were a lot drier than normal. And we were dealing with uh, dry sawdust and shavings. And so the, you know, the cause of these large ex- explosions were, you know, was, was determined to be combustible dust and specifically the uh, improper handling of possible dust and and so you know that became a huge public concern could this happen in other mills and of course we're not we don't have sawmills we have pellet plant we're we're dealing with exact same kind of deal and so initially the the pellet plants began trying to uh, deal with the the combustible dust question on their own and not very successfully. Uh, a couple of years actually went by. It was a, a focus of the provincial regulator in British Columbia, WorkSafe BC, and they were, uh, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the sawmill industry and the pellet industry to improve how they were addressing combustible dust. Finally, the uh, regulator, WorkSafe BC, came to us in as an association in 2014 and and essentially said, uh, you as an industry you ought to get your act together or, uh, you know, there's going to be some serious consequences for the industry as a whole and and essentially put us on, on notice that we had to pull up our socks. And at that time, we made the decision, well, let, let me just back up for a second. I mean, initially there was uh, the reaction from, the companies, the the producers was that, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. What you're expecting is, you know, too difficult and you're being unreasonable. And there was a lot of suspicion about the regulator because there were fines and, and, um, and temporary shutdowns being imposed the regulator and a, a real uh, antagonist kind of an atmosphere. Anyway, after one particularly, contentious meeting with WorkSafe BC to the BC companies got together actually at the WorkSafe and uh, they gave, they gave us the room to have our own little meeting. And, and we just said, look, what are we going to do as an industry? Can we, we need to, to address this together. We need to have a, a reset, a cultural shift. Uh, we, you know, we got to get our arms around, this issue of combustible dust and are managing it properly. And, and when we, we dug into it, um, we really didn't know what we were doing, dealing with combustible dust. And so uh, we formed a little combustible dust committee and we 
decided, uh, you know, to, to put a series of steps together to figure out, you know, how to manage combustible dust and, you know, look at all the information resources that were publicly available uh, and hired some consultants, uh, uh, put some workshops together where we got experts from NFPA in the United States to come up and tell us about it. And and, uh, I just began the process of uh, essentially kindergarten grade one through to grade 12 and and learned about uh, all about how to manage combustible dust and what we should be doing collectively. So just so I have the, so I can kind of reemphasize the timelines for folks that are listening, the Woodpell Association of Canada has been around for over 20 years. Um, you became involved back in 2008, sort of as a consultant, uh, moved into this executive director role in 2009, and, and you, you've loved the position so much that you're still here in that role today, which we're very appreciative of. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we actually had David Murray, who I, I don't believe is a relation to you, Gordon. No. Okay. David Murray, a separate Murray, um, on the podcast in episode 97, talking about lessons learned from this Lakeland Mills and, and Burns Lake explosions in 2012. So if the audience is interested in understanding more about what happened there, the impact on wood handling industries in BC, the, the lessons learned, uh, that would be a good, a good interview for them to listen to. Uh, we also had David talking about the history of the Manufacturing Advisory Group, uh, the MAG Group in British Columbia in episode 98. So that's a bit of the history. That was around 2012. Then there was a lot of work being done by WorkSafe BC to improve, say, compliance and safety in industries handling combustible dust. Wood pellet associations, or wood pellet uh, companies, rather, became sort of a focus of this. And through these discussions around 2014, this committee got put together on combustible dust. So those are some of the timelines. There's three kind of things I want to pull out. Like one is to understand, you know, pre this date, what was the perception of combustible dust. Um, two is to dig in a bit more about this committee and how that worked. Um, then I want to go on to talk about, you know, what projects have been done since 2014 through these committees. And the, I know you guys put out an annual, like an annual work plan and, and what's come out of that. And that's going to feed into some of the other discussions we're going to have. But sort of winding all the way back, 2012, we had two devastating um, explosions in British Columbia, again, Lakeland Mills and, and Burns Lakes. When you were in the industry at that point, like where was the level of combustible knowledge? Was it just like, what the heck is this? Um, and then David sort of shared when, when he looked at it, it was like, this is impossible. There's no way that we can comply with all these regulations and requirements for dust thicknesses and dust collection and exposure protection and prevention. It just seemed really overwhelming at that stage. He mentioned, I like to get your perception of, you know, I, I guess probably from the wood pellet mill side, you know, where was our level of knowledge there? And what did that, what did that look like at that time? Chris, we, we were in, in exactly the same boat as what you described. You, you'd be horrified if you, if you would think about the mills, our, our plants at that time, you'd go in and there would be uh, mountains of dust everywhere on piled up on beams on top of equipment, lights that were not, uh, you know, properly rated and, and uh, there'd be fires starting everywhere. You'd go into uh, MCC cabinets and, the, and there would be dust piled up everywhere i mean it was it was really unbelievable you'd you'd never set foot in a in a plant today uh knowing if we'd have known then what we know now 
I mean, it's like anything. You you think you know what you're doing until you really, until you really uh, start studying it and trying to understand it. Uh, so we had an extremely low awareness, and WorkSafe BC uh, did a did so much work on assembling resources for us, uh, simplifying learning material, and then, uh, you know, bringing in speakers from NFPA and from uh, some consulting or engineering companies that work on combustible dust and educating us. And, And we were starting from ground zero. And so when we established our committee, it wasn't even a safety committee. It was just a uh, supposed to be a short-term committee to uh, focus. <laughs> it's been a long-term, short-term project. <laughs> yeah, focus on this question of combustible dust, understanding it. What should we be doing in terms of housekeeping, in terms of dust collection equipment, and uh, how do we um, engineer our plants? Should we be locating things inside or outside? Uh, you know, just just uh, really learning from the ground up. And and then sh- and we made a commitment early on that we would never compete compete on a combustible dust. That uh, anything that one company would learn, that we'd share with the others. And uh, and our initiative started in British Columbia because of those two devastating explosions. Um, but then it soon uh, spread to the rest of our members all across Canada, and and we had companies from from the entire country focusing are participating on on this committee and so so the committee started in like i said 2014 and initially it was uh, just meeting with worksafe uh, having presentations individual companies talking about what they were trying to do in their own plants we'd meet once a month we'd you know we'd make lists of things that we were going to do we st- I mean, we started working on a combustible dust audit and an inspection and uh, identifying consultants that could come into our plants and help us to understand it um, the types of equipment that you know you could use for the housekeeping and cleanup and uh, you know as, as simple as uh, what kind of vacuum cleaners should you know should you use and um, to pick it up and uh, you know, should you use leaf blowers or not? Uh, just a really basic understanding. And um, anyway, we 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 started to understand it pretty well, and we were being inspected regularly by WorkSafe BC, and we would, uh, you know, we'd go from a ninety percent failure rate on inspections, and we pulled ourselves up to forty percent and fifty percent, and you know, within a year or so. Uh, as the inspectors would come around to our plants and and look at uh, you know our our dust levels and and our management and and whether we had completed uh, you know audits of of the dust systems you know pretty soon we were going from a ninety percent failure rate to a ninety percent and then to you know a hundred percent compliance rate and it, it it did take a lot of effort and a lot of information sharing and just reinforcing uh, amongst all the members. And so we organized ourselves that uh, we, we would have, uh, you know, we, we put a plan together of, of, of the different things that we'd work on. Uh, everybody would go back and do their homework and we'd report back monthly. 
And we just held a, like a one hour meeting every month amongst all the, the companies just to talk about our progress and, and really ingrain the management of combustible dust in into our, our thinking. And so it, it was a pretty, pretty basic, pretty rudimentary. And really that, that was the foundation of our safety committee. So I was going to kind of cut in there because I think I just want to emphasize the point that because we'll have folks that are listening to this that are across the world and even here at home, you know, there'll be some in Canada that are working at wood products facilities that are, that are like what you described in 2012. Um, certainly in, in Canada, in the U.S. Uh, and, and internationally and thinking, how are we going to ever you know, maybe they had a, a maybe they had some some fires. They were seeing that experience, and then maybe they had a, a large deflagration that had you know a large building destruction or, or injured several workers, or uh, unfortunately fatally injured a worker. They're thinking like, how are we going to do this now that we we unleash the tirade of understanding of how much is needed? And I wanted to just pause there to illustrate that's where you were, <laughs> and so it took putting a group together and working on it piece by piece and identifying you know making a goal figuring out what the gap is to get to that goal, developing a plan, executing the plan, reviewing the plan, <laughs> then go start start again. What's the next goal? What resources are needed? What kind of training do folks need? Yeah. That, it's daunting at first, Chris. It, it really is. Yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> you know, the, the key to of the key to it was as an industry, we weren't, we weren't really, our members weren't used to, to cooperating with one another. It was all about competition. You know, everybody was uh, afraid to, to say that they'd had an event because they'd be embarrassed about how they look to, to the others. Uh, uh, we had, we just had to get over that. We had to make a decision that we were going to be open, that, and it, I don't know, maybe it's like Alcoholics Anonymous or, or something like that. It's just, you know, getting a group together, talking about your issues, sharing and how can you get better. And, and, and that was such a huge key to it was knowing that everybody was in it together. We all got this, this same major problem of how do we deal with this combustible dust? Uh, so, and, and I, and I must say this, get, through this cooperation thing was huge because once we once we found that the benefits of cooperation it did extend to all other areas of our business outside of safety it's been remarkable uh, the impact it's had on on the culture within our industry and, and it only started with safety but it started with that it was with the learning the information sharing it it, it you know you have to the the training the commitment and the other huge thing was we went from an extremely adversarial and hostile relationship with our provincial regulator, primarily in British Columbia WorkSafe BC, to where we finally just said, look, we're, you know, we're floundering, give us some time, help us. And we, you know, we put together a series of short-term commitments and said, you know, we, we can't fix this overnight, but here's what we commit to do. And please work with us. And if you see us improving, you know, cut us a little bit of slack as long as you see that we're continuing to improve um, and, and we'll get there. And and there was, you know, there was some hostility on their part and our part. And it, that took a, a real effort to, to get over that. And and but we committed to meet regularly with the with the regulator and to be open about every single time we had an incident or a problem or anything. We kept sharing it with them, which is 
counter to what you would, you know, you would expect. Uh, I mean, you know, by sharing, there's always the the chance that you're going to get fined or shut down or whatever. But we we just uh, made that commitment that we were going to be open and share. And pretty soon, the regulator, you know, they they gained trust in us. And I have to say, like it's been quite a few years now. Um, our relationship is hostile and everything as it was at that time. It is 100 percent, 180 degrees difference now that, you know, we meet regularly with WorkSafe and, and we cooperate on every issue. And they and they really do trust us because because we've got the track record now and that and that we've been improving. So with our, you know, with our combustible dust committee you know, we started to get a handle on that. And then we, you know, we we started having other issues in our plants too. Like, you know, how do you deal with, with uh, confined space and lockouts and guarding and training and supervision and, you know, contract orientation, all, all other kinds of aspects of safety. And so we said, well, let's let's turn this combustible dust committee into a safety committee and then and really commit to the culture and make sure we don't waste anybody's time either. Like, we, you know, the key was when we met, I mean, initially it was, uh, phone, you know, conference calls and then eventually into, you know, video conferences and so on. But we keep it really tight once a month, an hour, and we pound through a lot of business. And so, you know, initially we'd, we'd start around, we'd have a half a dozen people and then it grew to 10 and 20, you know, now, I mean, now we have a committee that's got 62 members from pellet companies all across the country. And we have uh, enormous participation every month. And then, and we just started putting these annual work plans together. And, you know, if, I mean, a work plan is a fancy way of just describing a to-do list so we'd break down uh, these different things whether it was uh, combustible dust you know hold a workshop you know complete a an audit checklist or you know uh, five companies will have audits done by such and such a date or whatever and then you know we'd, we'd have similar to-do lists for for confined space for working at heights for guarding you know, we'd hire a consultant to go through all the plants and look at the guarding and give us a report. And then we'd share examples of good and bad and then go back through all our plants and clean up all the the guarding around the equipment and just really simple stuff like that. And and anyway, the committee, I mean, each month you'd report back and you'd have one or two things checked off your list there. And it, you know, if you'd look a month or two at a time, you'd go, well, what did we really accomplish? Well, only these two or three things, and it doesn't look like much. But I mean, at the end of the, that year, you multiply two or three times 12, and pretty soon you got 30 or 40 things done. And then the years go by, and and then you got hundreds of things accomplished. And so, and so, and the other thing was to, like to try to maintain the momentum. We had to make it so that people felt they were getting value in their time for for participating that uh, that they'd know that they could get through these meetings quick and then and then move on so the meetings are basically just a check in and then we'd have this work plan with the to-do list we we kept we we just adhere to it every month and work to it um, religiously we'd share our progress with WorkSafe BC and then 
and then any time that we would have any kind of event uh, with our association, we'd lead off with having safety speakers or discussion of safety, and uh, and really build that that safety culture that it that it really is the most important thing that we stand for, and constant reinforcement right from every level of of every organization and 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 then just keep keep working on it and then so every year with our work plans you know some things are fairly easy to solve and then other things they come up and and so now we're working on more complicated kinds of things like critical control implementation uh, you know as part of pro implementing process safety we're working on the safety of uh, belt dryers we're looking at uh, equipment isolation in order to prevent the uh, prop- propagation of events up up and down the the process line in a in pellet plants we're looking at operator training and optimizing use of alarms at uh, centralizing nitrogen supply uh, you know different training and supervision and so so really just the uh the sophistication and the commitment and everything it's it's grown over the years that, that we're able to attack and solve more complicated kinds of problems and it it took us a long time to get here but you know we've just um, been able to maintain the commitment to participate uh, commitment to share uh, and just you know the overall industry commitment to safety and it's uh, you know we we get beyond the use of slogans uh, which we find are often meaningless and and empty but it's just it's just uh, there, there just doesn't seem to be any any secret to it other than deciding as an organization that that this is important to us and that we need to you know be, be prepared to put money and effort and time into this and you know, really, like when you look at safety, there's, in my mind, there's four aspects to it. There's, I mean, the first thing, obviously, is that, you know, you your people, you can't run your business without your people. So you got to keep your people safe, make sure they go home at night to their families. And we've got a good environment for the people that are working for us. And then, you know, it's expensive to build these plants. And so, you know, you, if you're going to put in the investment and, and have capital and have the plants, you want to look after them. And every obviously, every time you have a dust explo- explosion, you're damaging um, your investment. And then when your plants are not operating, uh, you're not making any money. So, you know, you put you put your your money and your effort into your upfront safety, and then your plants operate continuously. And, and you don't uh, have these interruptions where you're not earning revenue. And so safe operations are profitable operations. And then lastly, there's the social acceptance and the regulatory acceptance of what you're doing. You know, if, if your industry is perceived as being unsafe and, and the regulators are on your case all the time, then, it, you know, that's costly and, and uh, stressful. And so we, we need, you know, regulatory acceptance acceptance and public acceptance of what we're doing. So th- those are all the all the good reasons for for why we're focusing on on safety like we are. And then, and then combustible dust it it just remains as 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 the highest uh, and so almost everything 
that we do do in safety in one way or another is connected with combustible dust. I want to pull out a couple of things that, that I personally witnessed as examples of the outcome of creating this. I mean, you hear about the, the need for culture and safety culture in a company, but you're, you're kind of talking about safety culture in a whole region. <laughs> like the, you got the trade association with the companies, with the regulator, with, you know, research and university partners, it's trying to kind of bring that in. So I want to highlight a couple of key things because I've, I've sat in and have been involved with the safety committee meetings, say for the last 12 months, maybe the last 16 months, and, and been thoroughly impressed. I've been involved in some of the kind of spinoff projects that have been, that come out of that. I want to highlight two things. One, you mentioned like at the start, the companies are, you know, their competitors in their space. They're all in the same industry uh, competing for, you know, the people that are purchasing uh, wood pellets. And that was sort of starry seed. I was on a, just on a call last week on this, you mentioned the belt dryer working group, which is something that came out of some, some instance that were experienced in British Columbia identified as a key area of focus. <laughs> then you and your team at Wood Pellet Association and BC4 Safety Council sort of mobilized. So, okay, let's create a, actually had a, a, a one day sort of mini conference on it, create this working group. But I was sitting in this working group. This was, this was actually Monday. So uh, just, no, it wasn't Monday because this was Easter. Uh, must have been yesterday. That's how, how scrambled my brain is right now. We have a, a, a new baby coming on the way in a few weeks. So that's okay, I think. <laughs> um, but yesterday I was in the Bell Dryer working group meeting and there were several companies there and we were talking about different ways to lay out belt dryers to influence safety. So influence things like how much fugitive dust could build up in the dryer. Um, how to ventilate that, how to do spark detection. Um, it was really interesting to hear one company say, well, we have a hammer mill. Um, we have one hammer mill in front of our, say, belt dryer. And then another company say, well, we actually don't have a hammer mill in front of our belt dryer. You know, what does yours do? And then another might say, we have a hammer mill and we do in-feed of dry sawdust in addition to that to help get a, I don't know, say a more consistent bed or something. And then, you know, how many times do you have spark detection? How many rocks are you pulling out an hour? And the, the discussion started becoming between these companies that are competitors, you know, how do you design a more efficient and safe belt dryer system in terms of the whole processing line? And I was just sort of sitting back and listening to this going, you know, this is the way it should be, but it's uh, it's often not. You, you would rarely, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen it, Gord, where I'm sitting there and there's three competing companies saying, no, this is the configuration that's both safe and, and preferred and and saving us money. And the other company's going, no, no, you're on. This one's this one's safer. You know, you should do this. And then the other one would be like, well, oh, we wish we wish you had it set up that way. Maybe we'll look at investing in that. So Chris, you're <laughs> all you're doing is just reinforcing what I've said is uh, you know, this this idea that uh, you know that we need to cooperate as opposed to compete. And and that is just such a prime example. And it, and when we first started at this back in 2019, this the scenario that you just described there would have been inconceivable. And I'm sure it's inconceivable to a lot of people that are listening. There's like that just wouldn't happen <laughs> with my competitors. And I want to give a second example. Um, the regulator, because you mentioned that can be also a hostile environment where, where companies are nervous to share because it puts them open to potential liability on a couple fronts um, and including inspections, including citations and that. I mean, I've sat in on meetings, one where, where the regulators in on the meeting discussing the safety topics and we're all sharing openly. That's really great. But you know, where the regulator might say, well, a couple of things, a company might complain that they get a different inspector every time. 
the regular. So I said, oh, that's a that's a challenge for you. Well, you know, maybe we'll send you the same three inspectors for the next five years and train them up so that you're working with and getting familiar with the same person. Or, you know, these are the type of things we've noticed. Maybe there was an incident in Europe that that illustrated something that we hadn't thought of here in Canada. We'll say, well, we're going to start looking at that, you know, next 24 months as an association, start getting prepared, start figuring out, you know, how we can improve that and give you a heads up beforehand. That's, I mean, that's an interesting observation that you've just made there because we we were indeed having different inspectors that didn't understand our industry very well. And we did put in that request, uh, you know, early on and, and WorkSafe heard us and, and, and we all actually do only have a few inspectors now who are designated to our industry and are known by everybody. You know, we, I mean, we, we know them extremely well and we trust them. And, but I have to say like, it was a, it was a leap of faith for us to. <laughs> We're making it sound a bit easier than it actually was, Gordon. <laughs> yes, I mean, some people use the term "open the kimono," or <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term or not. But, but it some was, people it, will get that. If you don't get it, then then don't don't worry about it or don't Google it. <laughs> it. It was a very hard thing for us to learn and to to make that leap to to start telling. Uh, the regulator about everything that we were doing good and bad and to build up that trust. And I mean, all I can say is, you know, maybe we're just fortunate with, with the particular regulator here in British Columbia, which is where most of the plants are located. But I mean, they've been particularly uh, cooperative. I mean, they, they were just as hostile as we were and, and it was a hate, hate relationship early on, but uh you know, it was just, you know, regular meetings, regular performing, them backing off a little bit early on when they could have, you know, been fining us or shutting us down and, and giving us the chance and us us meeting our commitments um, to improve over time and, and meeting different milestones. And it, and it just, I mean, it, took, it really did take a couple of years, but uh, I mean, the relationship is, is just so different from what it was then and and now we're you know we're very open i think i think we are fairly unique in in how we do deal with with regular but uh it works for us and we're not going back it's it's a a lot less stress and we've got that trust built up now and and we're going to you know continue to to earn it and and not do anything to to jeopardize the relationship that, that we have built with them and what they they just say to us um you know what what you're doing looks good make sure you keep your foot on the gas they just they they say to say that to us a lot but yeah that i mean that's been key a couple of things that, so i want to circle back to I mean, we just talked about uh, about a ten-year timeline and, and developing a culture of safety across different stakeholders. That that's quite complicated. So I want to come back to some advice on that. But I want to make sure to get just some of the resources that you guys have created over the last you know last five six years on this because we use some of these. We have some that are in the Dust Safety Academy under the the resources section. I'm just looking here now. We have the Hog Pile Management work that was done by FP Innovations, and I think those also part of the Woodpell Association. We get the safety shares from BC Forest Safety Council, which is sort of related. 
where I think I found it. I think BC, I think bcforcesafe.org slash WPAC is where people could go to find your sort of list of resources at the moment. But like what kind of things have been created? You mentioned the combustible dust audit, but like what else? Well, I, I mean, just before we talk about that, I, I've been a little bit remiss in not mentioning BC for Safety Council. Like they're an absolute key partner for us. So BC for Safety Council is a health and safety association that was established by the forest industry back in the 1990s, originally to address uh, hazards in in harvesting operations. So, you know, there, there had been some fatalities in British Columbia and, and that was, you know, the industry needed to focus there. So the, the BC Forest Safety Council was established and, and then, yeah, it grew into the sawmill sector and into the pellet sector. And, and so we, we became a member. So WPAC is a member of the BC Forest Safety Council. They've got some fantastically, experienced and dedicated people working there. I mean, you know, Sherry Whalen is the director of safe companies who's our direct contact. Um, and w- no, not even not contact. I mean, she's our designated go-to person as well as Bill Laternis and, and uh, Tyler Bartels who are experts in combustible dust and process safety. And they work hand in hand with us all the time. So, so they're, you know, they get a huge amount of credit for, for our success, which, uh, you know, I've been, I've been trying to take the credit here all by myself, but, uh, but it's not, it's not uh, just, just W back. Well, we're going to have Sherry on next week and she's a, her NBC for safe council and Bill and Tyler. Um, they're, they're on every call. They're, I mean, they, they're probably amongst your most active members of the safety committee in terms of the, the, what they do. Well, actually probably the most active, I would have to say, <laughs> I know Sherry does a ton of stuff on, on this and does a ton of stuff. To yeah. Move. Sherry's a force of nature. She, she makes things happen. There's no doubt about it. And she's, well, we yeah. have her on next week. So, okay. <laughs> well, we, we won't make her blush before she comes on next week, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, in terms of resources, well, we, I mean, we brought in a speaker from an expert from Sweden and we put together um, a workshop on silo fire safety. And we involved all the uh, fire brigades from around the province that were, that are involved in, in uh, firefighting. So, so all the, all the fire departments in rural communities and 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 then our all our our whole industry and then when we brought in this speaker they WorkSafe actually used the same speaker for other sectors that were were dealing with silos as well so so we've got presentations and material from that um, we put together a, a combustible dust or sorry a combustible gas video so on on all the aspects of how to deal with syn gas uh, in pellet plants and, and wood man or dust, you know, operations that are using dryers. And we put together a, uh, a six webinar series, a, a safety foundation series, uh, on wood pellet manufacturing. So all the key things you need to know in terms of, uh, uh, working with alarms with HMI human machine interface on process safety, uh, combustible dust, combustible gas, 
So, so there's a safety foundation series and a certificate that we'll be rolling out soon. Uh, we've put uh, uh, some resources together for uh, addressing uh, combustible dust and raw material storage and a set of guidelines that's been adopted by WorkSafe BC. Uh, similar for uh, dealing with combustible gas. So there, there's quite a lot of resources, uh, most of which are posted on the in the wood pellet section of the BC Forest Safety Council website. And BC Forest Safety Council has been integral uh, with us in developing all those materials. I'm just taking a look here now. I, I did, yeah, so we'll include all the links to these in the show notes. So at dustsafetyscience.com slash 131. Um, if you do go to bcforestsafe.org slash WPAC, um, you'll kind of get the homepage. And if you go to shared resources, combustible dust, um, there's lots of great stuff here. There's a safety alert at a receiving port. Um, I remember when that actually was was passed through to the safety committee. Um, a boat, I believe. Well, that's interesting, that one you bring up. So we now have members from Europe as well. So our customers are the big uh, power utilities in Europe that, that use wood pellets for uh, in, in re, to replace coal to make power electricity. And, uh, and so we've got regular attendance from companies like Drax Power and GDF Suez and others. And I think the one you're talking about is uh, where we had some tramp metal in a vessel that was arrived at one of the ports in the United Kingdom. And, and what the potential consequences of that were and, and how we should be working to eliminate that tramp metal. And that's that's just a good example. And and our safety committee, so we're now collaborating with those uh, power utilities and they're and they're sitting on our committee. Um, but in addition, we, we also now have a, a collaboration with the European Pellet Council, which is the is the uh, a gathering of all the national pellet associations for the EU 27 countries. And so we have an international collaboration now where we are members of the European Pellet Council and we share our learnings at uh, European Pellet Council meetings. So we're starting to have some international impact. That that cooperation has been going on for, I think, three to four years now. Well, I'd add, it's like the culture. <laughs> so we, we talked about culture within a company and we talked about culture within a, an industry and various stakeholders. Now you're, now you're, you're breaking geographical borders. Can we change the culture with this industry throughout the, you know, throughout multiple countries or multiple regions of the world or eventually the, the whole world, if we can get everyone on board, it just, it's, it's inspirational, Gord, when I, when I sit back and think about it and I'm, and I'm picturing like, can we do this in, 3D printing. Can we do this in in plastics? Can we do this in plastic extrusion? Can we do this in uh, coal milling? Can we? Uh, this just kind of keeps. I'm, I'm picturing how this can be applied as a model and taken. It may be improved. Maybe we can make it less painful for those in the front lines like yourself um, by giving some tips. It takes to get through, but and the hard work definitely has to be done, and the buy-in has to be there. That's all part of that culture piece. But it, it's it's effective when when you can get that right. Yeah. I think some of our advantages we have a fairly small industry, and and it's fairly new. Um, so some of the, I guess it wasn't so hard to change. It wasn't so I easy. Mean, it did take time, <laughs> but people were people were not entrenched in old ways. That there there is a willingness to adapt, and there's some nimbleness and flexibility in our industry. So so 
you know, that, that was definitely a help, but, but it's not easy. There's, there's no magic pill here. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like, we're enjoying some success, but, uh, but we're always mindful that the you know the next incident's just around the corner. Uh, we got to maintain our v- vigilance. That uh, we got we got to keep reinforcing the culture. That we got to maintain our commitment. And it's just there's not no magic, nothing magic about it. It's just you just decide collectively to make the commitment. You have a couple of uh, leading people. We've, I mean, Scott Bax, who's the chief operating officer of of uh pinnacle renewable energy he's been super important he's he's the chair of our our uh, committee and he and actually has been since day one and he's probably one of the world's busiest guys he's he's going all the time but he's always got time for our safety committee and so he he provides the the leadership you know my role is more coordinator organizer I, I work closely with uh with sherry in that regard um but yeah it's it just takes a collective effort takes a commitment from the top uh you got to try to keep it you know a bit light and a bit fun and uh don't waste people's time and and start you know ma- make sure that you show results over time and you, you can't accomplish everything overnight but time keeps going by and if you keep doing a, one or two things every month it's just like i say they, they add up you know you do two things each month and at the end of the year you got 24 things accomplished in 10 years you got 240 things accomplished well we do more than two to three things a month i mean we sure you do the meeting minutes are, are several pages long so <laughs> yeah i mean we just we just keep at it keep at it and and uh, just maintain the commitment maintain the focus and then the results follows but but it's you know we're always mindful that uh, we could lose it we gotta we just gotta keep keep at it and, there, and that's all there is there's no secret it's just it just takes effort I would say, and as you shine a light on something, you're going to see more. <laughs> so you're probably capturing a lot more of what's actually happening too. And and that's those are learning opportunities. Those are also opportunities to say, hey, it could be seen as a step backwards when you do have a fire and explosion. I'm sure we've, well, I mean, I run the combustible instant database, so I have a pretty good idea what's going on. And and you know, the, the industry has had had some setbacks. Um, and what I like is the, the ability to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and say, how do we learn from this? instead of just kind of shoving it in the closet and, and trying not to tell anybody about it. And, and then it infuriates me because, you know, uh, 14 months later, I'll have a company that's right beside have the same issue and not know it was even possible. And, and then that, that starts to make me really, really frustrated. Well, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a really, really important point, what you've just said there, Chris, because I mean, when you do have an incident, that's why we do, it's why we do an incident investigation and that's why we share the learnings from that investigation and, and you don't hide it. So, so, every, you know, every incident causes from, uh, is started from something going wrong. And so, you know, why did it go wrong and how do we make sure that, that, that it doesn't go wrong again? And how do we make sure that everybody knows about it so that, that others don't repeat that same mistake? I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Gordon, this has been a really informative uh, interview and discussion. I kind of mentioned before the call that I'd been 
been hoping to get you on to go through the history of the Woodpell Association Canada for for quite a while now. Um, Scott's a busy a, a busy guy, and Sherry's a busy guy. It turns out you're a pretty busy guy too, <laughs> or sorry, Sherry's a busy woman. Um, it turns out you're a pretty busy guy too. Um, but I'm really excited to have you on to talk through this, you know, this topic, and it feeds into, I mean, if I, I go to the Woodpell Association of Canada website here on the BC4 Safety Council, I look at 2021 annual WPAC work plan, A, critical control implementation. So that project is something that's come out of all of this. It's the most, there's a couple of projects listed, listed there, but it's the, say the, the most recent and it's listed as A in your 2021 plan. We're going to have Sherry actually talking about that next week, what the critical control project is in wood pellet facilities, how it came about, She's going to talk through that part of it, and then we're going to pull on talking about the the research side. So inherently safer design using bow tie analysis for combustible dust hazards, and that's actually been in partnership with this critical controls project, in partnership with BC4 Safety Council, WPAC, Dust Safety Science, WorkSafe BC, and all these sort of projects are coming together to address these challenges with combustible dust. And, and like I said, I think that's the the power of of bringing all these stakeholders together. So yeah. Well, Chris, you know, you've, you've been with us for what, two or three years now? I, I can't really remember, but I mean, you've been an active participant and you were actually the one who connected us with Dalhousie initially. And, uh, and that's been just an awesome partnership that, um, you know, I mean, you, you've continued to participate, but I mean, you, you and Sherry and, and Paul will get into it. But uh, they're, they're absolutely integral to our success now with the, uh, you know, the critical control management project. So, so thank you very much for for connecting us with Dalhousie. Well, thank you for that. And it's it's powerful because I can see there's there's only so many universities that are studying combustible dust, but when you get folks like uh, Kaylee Rayner Brown who who did her master's at Dalhousie and is applying her research in inherently safe design using bow ties. And I knew that she wanted to do research in that area, and I knew that that you guys were doing these critical control projects. That it's like two pieces to a puzzle. Um, so she can she can go actually go work with the facilities, work with the sites. That's been a little bit difficult because of COVID, but we've been trying to make it work and tie that into the research. It's just a, it's just a win 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 situation, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it. So those that are interested are thinking, what are we talking about with critical control projects and bow ties and what the heck's a bow tie? Um, we will. That will all become known as we go through the next two weeks of the the podcast. As we have Cheryl, uh, Sherry, and 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 Dr. Amiot on the podcast, um, Gordon. I'll wrap up for today, but I do want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your efforts as the executive director of of WPAC. Thank you for letting me be involved uh, over the last couple of years, um, and specifically with the safety committee over the last. Uh, I, I think it's been probably a year and a half or so that I've been attending those meetings been very informative to me and I'm really excited to see these new projects as they continue to roll out. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you for coming on today to sharing, sharing your knowledge with the, the podcast listeners. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. And uh, I'm always happy to talk about safety. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, we do not compete on safety. I hear that every, every, uh, every safety right on. <laughs> safety committee meeting. So um, no, that's perfect, Gord. We'll, we'll leave it at that and um, look forward to get you back on the podcast in the future. Great. Thank you. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Gordon Murray, Executive Director of the Woodpell Association of Canada. We've been talking through the history of WPAC and the resource that's been created, how the committee came together, how they developed their combustible dust committee, their safety 
safety committee and what kind of products have been undertaken. It's really been a really interesting history from my perspective, both being involved over the last um, couple of years with the committee directly, but also, you know, understanding the history. So Gordon mentioned that WPAC's been around for over 20 years. Sarah's a, you know, a, we'll say a true blue trade association looking at supporting the needs of wood pellet mills within Canada. Gord joined in 2008, became the executive director in 2009, and he's, he's been there ever since in that role. He talked, we talked through, you know, these two incidents in BC, uh, Lakeland Mills and in Burns Lake that we talked about back in episode 97 of the podcast that really shook, literally, I guess, but figuratively as well, the the industries, the, the wood handling, the lumber mills in BC, but then spread out to other wood handling industries throughout British Columbia. And it was really an eye-opening experience to have two explosions that were back-to-back, that were in different areas, that were of similar sort of origins. And really had everyone looking around saying, can this happen here? And unfortunately, the answer in most places was yes. So what does that mean? Well, it means a big challenge. It means we got to look at pulling resources and understanding the hazards. And, and David Murray talked about this back in the podcast on the the dust explosions, sawmill explosions, but it was like, how how are we going to be able to do this? It's just, it's so many requirements. It's so much that we don't understand. There's so much learning that needs to be done. And Gord said it best in, in this interview, you know, it's just one piece at a time. So <laughs> identify a goal, figure out what the gap is, figure out what resource and learnings are needed, uh, put a plan together, or of course, Gord, Gord called it uh, just a, a to-do list and start doing it. You know, do one or two a week, one or two a month, whatever it is, and and keep building on that success moving forward. And one of the really big things I hope that came out of this interview was this thought on culture. So you have safety culture in a company. We also have safety culture in industry, safety culture in a region, safety culture in, uh, you know, across different stakeholders. And a really interesting one here is, you know, regulators, companies, trade associations, health and safety organizations, universities, you know, us as a, an educational um, research company all being involved. But the, the kind of interesting part is the things that start to come out of that collaboration and, you know, not just not just on safety, but going above and beyond. How do we think, make things more efficient, more effective, opening communication lines between groups that are generally competitors and generally don't have communication? Actually having discussion between regulators and companies outside of when the, you know, you get the knock on the door that the, the inspection is being done um, and what the, the real advantages are to doing that in terms of how you can move safety forward um, and, and everything else forward in the industry as well. Uh, we did spend some time talking about some resources. Again, we'll include links in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 131 for this episode to the Woodpell Association of Canada's uh, Safety Committee and Safety Resources page. There's a lot of great resources there. We put some of these up inside the Dust Safety Academy as they, they come out, but they have a, a lot of safety shares on combustible dust. They have this combustible dust audit. They have... Just a whole host of, of materials, you know, things from WorkSAPC in terms of communication, in terms of training and education. And if you just go back one more, there's they have these for confined spaces, lockout, process safety, plan operator, competency, safety software, silo fire and suppression. Um, it's not just combustible dust. It's across a wide range of, of, of safety aspects in, in pellet handling uh, facilities. A couple of, well, more than a couple, I guess, of advice on how to do this. You know, one, it's going to be a long game. Two... We're, we're actually potty training my two and a half year olds. So these, these words really rung true with me, but commitment, you know, consistency and reinforcing, like these are all things that need to be, need to be done over and over and over and over again until it comes second nature. Then you can get this really powerful group together that's pushing these things forward. 
um, having, I mean, a couple of things for me personally, having the agenda sent out beforehand, having meeting minutes and action sent out afterwards with people highlighted saying, hey, John, you're supposed to do this by next meeting or hey, Chris, this is what you're supposed to get done. Um, somebody's got to take care of that. And I, I have a, there's a lot of people involved. I have a, a hinting suspicion that Sherry Whalen, who we'll have on the podcast next week, is, is heavily involved in, in making sure those go, go out um, timely and in a good manner. So those are just a, a few of the recommendations. And just to close out this episode, then I want to say, you know, it's powerful. This is a model that works. It's not easy. It takes a long, it can take a long time, but it is a um, process that can start to move a whole industry or a whole region forward in terms of safety and combustible dust and elsewhere. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I um, hope you've enjoyed learning about the Woodpell Association of Canada. If you're curious about some of who these other actors are we talked about, like um, BC4 Safety Council and Dalhousie University and that, we'll be having them on the podcast in the weeks coming up. So stay tuned for that. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I'm looking forward to you know, keeping bringing you the latest information for combustible dust and also these sort of partnerships and projects and the latest things that are going on in our industries and communities globally so we can tackle these challenges with combustible dust. 